The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. That's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother assholes that like to talk about everything. News, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast. Right here, hittingthemarks.com, the Hitting the Marks podcast network, Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Jargo. I will be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, still in the Cincinnati stocking cap. He's the real RBB. Rick, welcome back to your show. Hell, Jargo, it's... If anyone knows anything about cold, it's you. So, so to make sure that that I was I was nice and warm and ready to go to bring that R to the B to the V. Richard Bronson Vickery back again, rocking and rolling one hundred percent to the Hitting Marks podcast. I, I got to stay warm, man. Yeah, I, I I feel you, man. It's like you know twenty two degrees in Iowa right now. Yeah, and a blizzard. Yeah, yeah. We're talking like you know fifteen inches of snow today. Yeah, it's fucking Iowa. The goddamn snow, man. You know, and and the snow wouldn't be so bad. But along with the snow comes the ice as it becomes snow from the rain, and it's just it's a mess. It's an absolute mess, and I gotta go to work in this shit tonight, man. Well, it's. It seems the way that these storms are moving here. You absolutely, you have been getting hit here for a couple of weeks. Uh, really, you guys, you know, on top of the rest of the world and their woes of 2020, when it comes to just outside of the pandemic, weather-wise, you guys can't catch a break. Man, it has been a rough year in the Midwest between derechos and fucking snow. And, and of course, you know, with the snow and with the ice, You know, as if that's not bad enough, you get the 30 mile an hour wind on top of it. So, you know, you just can't see a goddamn thing because it just ends up with snow blowing everywhere. It's fucking That that was always the the worst part about living up on Lake Erie is where I was at. Now, in in northern Ohio, they are catching quite a bit of the storms that you have. Yep. Uh, Since I have relocated a little bit here and I'm in southern Ohio, just a couple hours away, it's been skirting over us. 
So we did have some dustings. Uh, we are expected to get uh, a few more dustings coming in, but no serious, you know, accumulation that, that you have going on there. But man, the the winds up there on Lake Erie were hellacious. And where I lived, you know, we were right on the water. You open your front door and skip a rock across the lake right into that shithole Canada. But so the storms would usually we'd get the lake effect that would push the actual snowfall inward. But the the wind was just hellacious. You know, it was funny this morning because our, our meteorologist was talking about how there's going to be 300 to 400 percent more moisture in the air than there normally would be today. Of course, they never tell us what they normally would be at today. Just, you know, it's going to be three to four hundred percent higher. And I was like, holy shit, are we talking about the weather? Or are we talking about covid? You know, we're just busting out statistics and not giving anybody a baseline, you know. Oh, yeah. Our infections are up one hundred and eighteen percent. OK, well, what does that mean? How many did you have beforehand? Did you did you go from two to five, you know, or, or are we talking about you went from 200 to 500? It makes a little bit of a difference here, you know. I think one of my favorites the other day, COVID related, was we are going to have we're going to have an all time high death total in the United States this year, and obviously, and and you know, professionals alike will agree that this is in large part due to the COVID outbreak. Well, when they actually, as you continue to scroll paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, they finally get to that baseline for you, and instead of those scary figures that they love to throw out you, throw at you, that it just I'll, they work. The scare tactics scare the sh- living shit out of everybody. But when you find those real numbers, it's like less than 10% of the deaths in this country right now are attributed towards COVID. There's a, a great picture of Bill Gates uh, sitting next to a pile of books that I was going to use a couple of weeks ago for the cover art. Because it's like, you know, they were interviewing Bill Gates and, you know, what to read during the pandemic. And he's got like this whole stack of books. And one of the books is clearly how to lie with statistics. It's just like you, you fucking people, man, you know, like they're just rubbing it in your face at this point. Just absolutely insane. Of course, over the course of the weekend, Rick, not only is there a snowstorm hitting the Midwest, we, we also had what happened in Nashville on Christmas day that, I mean, if you want to talk about some crazy shit, some of the stories coming out of Nashville and what what in the hell was actually going on because they're just blaming 5G. This guy's like a this crazy wacko 5G nut job, and that's why he bombed the AT&T store. And I, I, that's a load of bullshit. I'm hearing way too much shit. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and there is a lot of smoke in Nashville. I was going to say, they're blowing smoke every which way onto this thing. As you begin to connect the dots, just so much doesn't make sense at all. And even before you know, a lot of this was being released, just in the real time, watching the situation and the the early developments or what they were releasing to us, just you know, just opening the door for so many questions and what the intent here was. You know, obviously if the intent was there from the get go, it doesn't seem like it was really meant to, to hurt anybody as the, as the warning signs were, were given out and the evacuations were allowed to take place. Uh, just from that perspective alone, you can begin to question this thing, unravel it. And I'm sure, you know, for, 
some serious in-depth coverage. You know, our, our friends at Conspiracy Horsemen are going to have this thing completely broken down. Yeah, they, they have to because there, there's way too – and I'm, I don't even really want to talk about it that much, you know, because, like, when you start connecting dots and trying to figure out what is true and what is just, you know, internet bullshit, because let's face it, there is a lot of internet bullshit out there floating around these days too, you know, but just trying to figure out, like – what why this location and one thing that i have been able to completely figure out this location there's three highways like three major highways that all kind of intersect at this location and more importantly there's an information superhighway that connects at this location that's this is where the internet basically terminates for three different sections of the country. So this is actually a great place that if you are trying to get into shit, if you are trying to get in and snoop around into stuff that you're not supposed to be, this is a very good location to do it. And now we're hearing reports of like you know, Dominion voting systems being sent there and you can trace the, the owner of the AT&T building also sits on the board of directors of the company that owns Dominion voting systems. And oh yeah, he also knows Joe Biden's brother-in-law and they have a company that they found together. Like there's all kinds of crazy shit, but it's just a matter of figuring out what crazy shit is true so that we can actually talk about it. Yeah, that, that was one of the big questions that I had heard people asking immediately, you know, if if you're wanting to to make a, a statement like this or, or launch an attack, why there and then is your lay it out there, Jargo? I mean, it, it makes complete sense. Yeah, but it, it, there's just there's so much fabricated stuff going on that what's true and what's not. But we do know that everything with the owner of the building is absolutely true. Absolutely. I, I'll tell you what's what's funny. A little spinoff story on this thing is this happens there in the afternoon and almost with you're looking at the timing of what it would take someone to make that drive. We had a scare here in Cincinnati where they had closed down a couple downtown streets uh, that evening, Christmas evening, just around dinner time here. Uh, so somewhere like at six thirty, seven o'clock, they had shut down these streets because they had seen it a very suspicious looking RV parked in a city block like that as well. So they called out our Cincinnati task force and they, they shut down the area. I don't believe anything had come of it. There was some brief coverage on the news and then the story just quickly disappeared. Hmm. Go figure. Yeah. There is one story about this whole Nashville thing that nobody is talking about that bugs the shit out of me. You've all seen the video, right? You've seen the video of when the bomb went off. That video was taken from a street lamp. Why in the fuck do they have street lamps with video cameras built into them on 2nd Avenue in Nashville? Oh, no, absolutely. That makes complete sense. Uh, you see that in, you know, even smaller towns like small town USA, where they use the, the surveillance systems like that to monitor, especially, you know, traffic intersections or yeah, anywhere. I mean, Nashville's a and I know a lot of people maybe don't understand how much it's developed and grown. It's becoming quite like an entertainment hub. Yeah, I guess that's uh, a great, true. I always uh, forget a tremendous how big destination. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just, you know, when we think of those large cities, obviously you're looking at those major markets, you know, a, a New York, a Chicago, and LA. And then you think of, you know, maybe like an Atlanta, uh, but, you, you know, up somewhere maybe like 
Dallas, something along those lines. But Nashville is it's it's coming a long way in its own. I mean, look, I mean, just look at what the NFL's invested there with the draft. Yeah, no, that's true. That was that was beautiful. And, and what it you know what it's always meant, and it's always kind of been one of those quiet destinations, you know, especially for those in in the music industry. Wow, there's 1.25 million people in Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing is how much it has grown and expanded. And it's absolutely one of those cities to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, it's definitely bigger than I thought. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I've been down there a handful of times. I've been down to some Titans games when the Bengals were down there visiting. And it it is beautiful. It's it's modern. It's stylish. There's, you know, there's a little bit of something for everyone. You can go down as a group for a lot. It's a hot destination here. In this part of the states, for like bachelor, bachelorette parties, family vacations, so they they have a variety of flavors to offer different individuals, and they're definitely booming. The other big story over the course of the weekend, Trump basically says, "I'm not going to sign the stimulus," and then last night turns around and signs the stimulus. House Democrats bring it before the floor. It goes through the House, no problem, no big surprise there. And shortly before we started recording here, you were telling me that Mitch the Turtle is blocking this thing in the Senate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you have Trump who signs on to the the six hundred, uh, the previous stimulus package that that everybody has been kind of debating back and forth over. Uh, I'd say the general consensus, not many people just happy with with the figure. The six hundred was very underwhelming. Uh, there were many of us that just think it's an absolute insult, especially when we look at what other sorts of spending and where they're delegating funds, especially overseas, it has been quite, uh, to me, just disgusting. Outright an insult, absolutely disgusting. It makes me happy. It makes me happy that you find this so disgusting because – I, I, and I, it's not just you. Like everybody is talking about this now. Everybody is looking at this bill and where all the spending is going and why we're sending money to places that we don't like and they don't like us, like fucking Pakistan. Why we're sending so much money to places like Egypt. Why we're sending so much money to places like Israel when we have our own problems in this country. And this is a wagon that I have been running on for like, you know, the better part of a decade. And I'm like, congratulations, rest of the world on catching up with me. Okay, now that we all know that there's a problem here, can we actually do something about it? So in a weird fucked up way, this makes me happy because now people are like, wait, why are we spending all this money on that? And it's like, that's what I've been saying for 10 fucking years. Well, and now you get into, you know, where people are fixated on that dollar amount that we're getting for the American people. And now they are where they are pushing it. They're trying to get it pushed to that 2000 for for deposits, direct depositing. But Mitch, the turtles like, uh, uh-uh. and, and here comes the block. And it is we're just getting this news. I want to see further explanation. You know, again, you know, those that voted down the 600. You know, there was only a handful of maybe six to nine that voted no on a thing. And um, immediately the media begins to paint this picture. These individuals are against the American people. That wasn't necessarily the case when they when those representatives were allowed to speak. It was their outrage over where else these funds are being allocated towards inside of this thing that they didn't feel was appropriate spending or you know, just flat out representation for the people that they are there working for, the people that hired them. 
That was their issue with this thing. And that's where the disgust comes from so many of us. But again, people just living inside of that bubble. If I get my six, if I get my 2K, you know, if I get mine, uh, I don't have to pay attention to those other things. And that is the absolute, that's the biggest insult that we're not looking at a bigger picture, a bigger fix. When we are looking at a stimulus package here, everything in there, it should be all inclusive to the American people to our families, our citizens. And and outside of that, if you want to do some other programs and make sure that we are supporting, instead of just handing out funds to to be spent ever which way that the individual chooses, why aren't we also looking in there? We have a major problem with healthcare. And I'm not talking about free healthcare and all that. I'm talking about right now the strain. And we can argue all day long about the numbers with COVID and the bottom line stats, but it is very real that our frontline employees are overwhelmed. Our hospitals are overwhelmed. Why aren't we getting more support there? Why aren't we figuring out those ways? Why aren't we taking care of our veterans, our homeless? Why aren't we right now focusing energy funds on education? We've covered it here on this show. It's regularly a conversation in our real lives every day as we continue to see our kids struggling with these virtual and remote learning sessions that absolutely are not working and they're having trouble with these transitionings. Why are we not worried and focused more on that than we are about in Pakistan if they're trying to figure out if they stand or sit down to take a piss? Yeah. And, and the to me, the real problem is the way that they do these fucking bills, right? I mean, this entire bill, front to back, the whole, like, $2.4 trillion spending bill, 5,562 pages. And really, what you have is, is it's a collection of bills all put together as one, and the COVID stimulus is, like, section M of this entire fucking bill, Right? The problem is they squeeze the shit into these fucking bills and the bills are so overbloated that nobody, including the people that vote for the bills, actually read the fucking things. That's the problem. Like, there's no reason that this spending bill that they sent to Trump, they could have split that thing into 15 different smaller bills that people could have went and digested and actually fucking read and seen like, hey, wait a minute. Why is this in here? Wait, why is this in here? But when it's 5,562 pages, nobody fucking reads it. That's half the fucking problem with the goddamn government right there. And even when you're having you know, your interns or whatever, your staff, and they're trying to break that down and, and each of them is trying to dissect it and then feed that information, you're still losing the true meaning of it. Yep, you're, you're not being able to really consume the information that is inside of there. But you, you, you hit it there. You hit the mark perfectly there, Jargo. I mean, why didn't we just pull out the stimulus part of this thing? Because, you know, when you really if you are a represent representative and you see that you you are there to work for the people, you do see what the people are focusing on. And they are worried about their own well-being. They are worried about the money that's coming to them. So while you might not necessarily agree with all that's being spent, you know, being spent for these art programs or where money is being sent overseas, you kind of you. Your arms being twisted. 
you know, can I take, I got to, I got to do something here to help our people. So if we got to give, you know, a little bit over here, that's fine, but that's not the right approach. That, that should not be the way that these situations are handled. And that's again, inside of itself is a major issue with our entire system. And I'm, I'm growing more and more tired of this thing and my disgust over this entire situation where people still continue to try to draw that line in the sand. Oh, this is this is still a left issue. This is a right issue. No, this is a problem with all of our leaders. They have all let us down. They have all taken us out back and, and absolutely pissed in our faces. The other problem with the United States government is look at the spending bill and then look at how much money they are spending to win these campaigns. We need campaign finance reform far more than anything else in this country. But that's a whole nother subject. You know, it really, really reminds me of if we, you know, when you woke up today, you asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm just, I'm just sitting here kind of waiting. And I, I have a couple things where I always try to get my zone and, and get, get wrapped up, get amped up, get ready to go for the record. And I was watching some South Park, you know, cause it always just inspires me to try to take a different perspective here. And they had that, it was a uh, charity shame. It was about body shaming and all that. And poor butters had to filter through everybody's social media to take all the bad and negative out of there. But the point of the show was that they end up killing reality. Reality was like that old um, silent film, snidely, you know, whip, you know, the, snidely the, the cartoon villain kind of looking guy with the old mustache and all that. Uh, but yeah, just being real honest with people, you know, you feel, you think that you feel good, you, you beat your chest, but in reality, you're nothing but a, a piece of shit. You know, you look at these charity funds and it's very similar to what our elected officials, are, you know, those that are working in government are doing like, yeah. Great. You, 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 you raised three thousand dollars with your fancy, you know, crystal, you know, dinner and and chandeliers and all that. But you spent a half a million doing it. Yeah, it, 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 that's the bullshit with it. Yep. Look how much money they're raising in Georgia right now for this fucking election that's going to happen on January 5th. And then compare that to, you know, the covid stimulus, you know, it's kind of absurd. Uh, again, just disgusting. Yeah, it's just absurd. It's just absurd. The other thing that happened over the course of the weekend, Rick, unfortunately, a bit of sad news to report, the passing of Mr. Brody Lee, John Huber. Um, the outpouring of support from the pro wrestling community that I have seen has been just absolutely insane, man. Just absolutely cr- Everybody loves this guy. Everybody loved Luke Harper. Everybody loved Mr. Brody Lee. And uh, I, I just wanted to compliment you. Listening to a, a bit of the Monday locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com and listening to Ben and, and you guys go off on the Monday locker room this week. Just just a crazy, crazy story. Yeah, it certainly is. It's, and it's one of, you know, even days later, it's still kind of one of those hard things to just to sit and talk about. Yeah. And when you, and I think what is so incredible about it, Jargo, as you mentioned, universally throughout, professional wrestling if, if it's a talent promoters staff fans it, it seems everybody just genuinely loved this individual uh, and no matter how you know him from whatever promotion it might be truly around the world it seems that you know he touched so many people and what he was able to give just not as a talent but really as a human being yeah, and the tributes continue to pour in. I saw AEW is basically pushing off their New Year's show to do a, a Mr. Brody Lee tribute show on Wednesday night. Looking forward to checking that out. Man. It looks, it looks like they got a, a number of matches there, and they 
I think the main event, they have allowed his son to pick his AEW dream match. Uh, so they'll be having that there. And, you know, this yeah, is no one of those spoilers, things. but it's pretty damn cool. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to give anything away it's when everybody tune cool. in. Uh, but yeah, it should be a very special episode and it's going to be, I, I have 100, you know, 100% belief that they're going to knock this thing out of the park and they're really going to represent him. I, I think the thing that's crazy about it is in this era where everybody knows everything about everything that is going on, nobody knew about this. Like the AEW and, and all the talents involved, everybody that was close to him, like this thing wasn't on anybody's radar. So it just kind of, I feel like it just blindsided all of us. It was like a Yano punch to the balls. Just you don't, you don't see it coming. Yeah, absolutely. You heard some rumblings that something might not be right there, but you really didn't. There wasn't a sound source anywhere. And it, maybe it, it, you know, it could have been just different issues of the body. You really didn't hear too much about the lungs. And what was really surprising is, you know, behind the scenes, I usually get quite a bit of scoop working with the Monday locker room and, and how close Ben is, especially with those upstate New York talents. Right. Because they're all talking to each other. They're all inside that that little circle. So they they got their finger on the pulse at all times. They know what's going on. And even, you know, that Ben didn't know too much about what was happening here. And you could really tell, as you'd mentioned, it's tremendous listen, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Go back to the Monday locker room. And I think where Ben didn't have too much personal interaction with them, but just, you know, the little bits that the time that they share together, incredible stories. But more importantly is, you know, that that Brody Lee represented that upstate New York wrestling family. Yep. You know, when he succeeds, we all succeed. And it's an incredible mentality. And you find pride and you see someone thriving on that level. And what was so brilliant with him, it, it, no matter what role he was in, the body language. You know, he, he could pull the eyes to you. Tremendous character work. He absolutely got it. And then inside the ring, I made the comparison Monday. Obviously, one of the people that he looked up to in Bruiser Brody. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, especially the modern fans, didn't get to see a lot of his work and can make those comparisons. So I linked it to a lot of, of what you got from The Undertaker. The presence, yeah. the pacing, how they would work a match. I mean, it, it could be very slow pace there for a little bit and then boom he, he knows when to turn it on he knows when to hit that flip that switch to pop you to bring you to the edge of the seat and then let you back a little bit uh and that's perfect storytelling and that's what you got with Brody Lee yeah and it seemed like he was actually going to get the opportunity that we all wanted to see for him in the WWE and AEW um as far as AEW goes and I, because unfortunately the world of professional wrestling is one of those things where the show does in fact go on. What do you do with the dark order now? Well, that, you know, I've, I've given that some thought and I think that's, what's going to be very interesting to see. I don't expect anything major to be said this week on it. Nor do uh, I. This, this obviously is about paying tribute to the man himself, the person that had touched everyone inside of that, you know, the company and the business and doing right by his family. I think, you know, maybe there was already some plans in place to see them kind of gradually grow their own way. Uh, as you've seen, there's a lot of personality and character development that's beginning, you know, long before this was even a thought. Right. Or a need for a conversation that you've seen that. And I, 
and I hope they don't play to it or you know make some kind of announcement. Just just let the individuals kind of go their way, and, and let's see what let's see which what each has. Let's pivot from this past weekend to talk about this coming weekend, Huckleberry, because this coming weekend it's New Year's, and it's a very very strange New Year because of course it's COVID New Year. Um, no people in Times Square this year for the ball drop. Like that is just going to be the epitome of a 2020 visual. Like it, it, the, the the ball drop for 2021 is almost going to feel more like a funeral for 2020. You know what I mean? Like just be done with this, you know? Uh, absolutely. It's, and it will really, you think about the presentation here, which you're going to get in each state and, and heck, you know, counties and just little local areas at each state are so different of how people are going to celebrate. I know here in Ohio, you know, we have, we are currently still under where bars and restaurants close at 10 o'clock. And that's a hard, you have those doors locked, you have the people out of there. So as they're making their way, I mean, you're seeing a lot of bars are going to have their, their countdowns earlier in the evening and celebrate at different times. You know, I, I think it was uh, Jim Jordan representative from, there in the great state of Ohio, uh, was pointing out the other night that, you know, if you are at a game, right, if, if you're at the football game and the game runs past 10 o'clock, you're fine. You can be there until the game is over. But if you're in a bar watching the game, you have to be gone by 10 o'clock. I mean, just none of it makes any fucking sense. Well, it's funny, you know, because I, I have clients on both ends of the state, north and south. And it was two weeks ago where you had the Browns on Sunday night football and you had the Bengals on Monday night football and all the advertisements I ran were come out for one hell of a half of football. (laughs) Then you got to get out. (laughs) God, just doesn't make any fucking sense. Then you got to get out. You got to go home. That was, that was how we, that's how we sold it. You know, come out for a hell of a half of football and then you got to, then you got to get your butts home. But, this holiday season inside of itself, I know looking at Facebook, people getting out there trying to make the most of it, really celebrating. I had a conversation with my dad, and I talked about this Monday in the locker room. It just it, this past weekend with Christmas, it didn't feel that way. Yeah. Obviously, with, with my family, a little bit different situation is kind of the first major holiday season with, with Grandpa being gone. Jar, I know you continue to go through that every year where I'm sure it's not the same, but that first one is, is absolutely got to be the, the most difficult one. I'm hoping, uh, but even on my mom's side, just because of the scares with COVID and and not really having a big enough place for everyone to get together, everyone kind of did their own little thing. So there was, you know, I went and visited my grandfather on my mom's side and it was my mom, my stepdad and my sister and her boyfriend, where it usually would have been five times that, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and all that. And it, it just, you just didn't get that vibe. You didn't get that feel with it. So, but such is, you know, we push forward and I think it, if anything from it, it's not what you're used to. It's not the same energy, but maybe a reminder truly what the time of the year is, what you make of it. And even more so this weekend, I have to assume, is going to be a bit of a trip for you. I mean, being so intertwined with the hospitality industry, New Year's Eve has got to be like one of your busiest nights of the year. It's it's like your Black Friday if it was retail what the hell are you going to do with yourself on new year's eve well you know a lot of it is the build is where we're busy 
once you once you get those doors open on New Year's Eve, you're rocking and rolling. They take care of themselves. Yeah, sink or swim, right? I mean, once the doors Abs- are open. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, it's never – to be honest with you, I can't even remember the last time – and I've, I've made this joke here a couple times. And no one told DeWine, our governor here in Ohio, that – that I actually am okay with the 10 o'clock curfew because it, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm getting so much better sleeps, right? Uh, you know, instead of, and it's actually, it's, it's good for, it's a nice out when people, Oh, come on, stick around, have a couple more beers. You know, I, I don't feel that peer pressure. And someone said, Oh, at your age, you feel peer pressure. It's not, it's not really from the other people. It's from myself. Right. <laughs> it doesn't want to look lame by going home and being in bed by 10 o'clock. But yeah, I can remember the last time that I actually was out at midnight on new year's. It's one of those amateur hours for me, but you are exactly right. I mean, think about the money that's going to be lost across this country here, especially places that are in complete shutdowns. Pennsylvania, nothing, no action. At least here in Ohio, we have a little bit to look forward to. We're doing the makeshift. Places are trying to have as much fun as they possibly can with this thing. Good news, though, in Ohio. Hopefully going to re, you know, recoup what was lost there the night before is the schedule for New Year's Day football falls in our favor as uh, you know the bars and restaurants will be open during the UC game and the Ohio State game there is that so that absolutely helps out uh for me I'll be at work you know so another day yeah it's just another day with special programming and hopefully it's not fucking pitbull live from Miami because I can't take that shit man like I fucking hate new years just because I, I have to watch these stupid fucking new year's eve shows and it's just like, oh, my God, they're just awful. Just absolutely awful. Maybe we can get Mariah Carey lip-singing again. You know, just fucking terrible. Terrible. Um, Got to ask you about a, a RBV Fitness Edition for New Year's. Like, do you guys do, like, special food for New Year's? Oh, yeah, baby. You know, like, when I saw this on the run here, absolutely, this is where, this is where I perked up. It, dude, when you ring in the New Year, I mean, this is kind of, you're, you're sending out the the festive season, the holidays are, we're turning the corner. We're looking forward to a new year. See, they, of course you got to have tremendous eats in there. Right. So, you know, looking at, I've got my, my personal picks that, that I enjoy every year. And, and then there's some that are, are traditional style that are out there. Uh, and all, you know, for different parts of, of the world, I'm probably traditional. Uh, you're looking at pork and sauerkraut. And some sort of potato, mashed potato, if you will. Or you do, you know, the the cut potatoes. You put everything in the crock pot there and just let it all cook and simmer together so you get all those tremendous flavors. Yet you can't go wrong. Uh, again, you get you get the get yourself some good fresh out, some different types of pork in there. Mainly you go with the different sausages, I'd suggest. Uh, those flavors, and then you pair that with some kind of potato side. You, you can't miss it. And that's that inside itself is probably the, the biggest New Year's tradition. Interesting. Yeah, like the only like New Year's tradition I know of is like you know, drinking at midnight. You know, <laughs> like that's oh, it. No, 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 no. And, and you've got uh, another big one, which so many people can enjoy, is the New Year's pretzels, which would be your soft pretzels. You know, put a little salt on there. That, that's a good way to to ring in the New Year. Tamales. You you guys only it, do soft pretzels like for New Year's? Like that's no, that's it, a year round thing around right. here. Right. You can enjoy them at all at all times, but they're extra special and extra delicious <laughs> as you're looking for the new year extra salty welcome to intermission
Nation. Here is your ringing in the new year. If you're looking for a fiesta style flavors, you got tamales, which are which are big is a big New Year's food. Uh, for me personally, though, you, you got to ring in the new year. The the first thing that you got to have is some good old White Castles. Man. Fucking white. The originals, no cheese. You just go with the original sliders, and and that's something that that I've enjoyed for many many years, uh, with with family and friends. And actually, it really kind of grew from the bar family. Old as it's been a long long time since we've talked about it, as it's no longer uh, around in its traditional form. Uh, but at Babes, my Babes bar family, they turned me on to that thing. We would meet there New Year's Day morning, bright and early, and everybody brought a, a sack of White Castles. So by about one o'clock, you got to figure uh, whiskey, whiskey, a flowing in White Castles. That place had a very unique aroma to it. Oh, fantastic. How about resolutions? Y'all do resolutions out there? Yeah, I think that's everywhere in it. Well, I don't know, man. I haven't made a New Year's resolution and fucking. Yeah, I know. But it's one of the traditions of the new year is you look back at the year behind you. If it was if it was a great year for you, if it was maybe not so memorable, but you always want to get excited about moving forward and evolving yourself. Right. So well, let's look at, you know, some of the big ones out there, obviously, you know, getting back to the gym, eating right, things like that. I agree with you. You know, it's I haven't really ever been big on those myself uh, but I know we were going to talk about it. We talked about it Monday in the locker room pro wrestling wise. So I, I did come up with a few that you know I'm going to focus on here. It, this is a, a short term one and something you and I had talked about in a private conversation last night. But you ever heard of this dry January? No. Uh, it, it's, you know, after everybody maybe, maybe indulges a little too much throughout the holidays. So you, you take the month of January off from drinking. Huh. Uh, so I'm going I'm, I'm to give that my best shot. <laughs> I know it's going to be a struggle for those that know me. Uh, I, I enjoy to sip a whiskey and have a, a nice cold beer from time to time. Uh, but yeah, and just, you know, it goes along with the health aspects with that. And just what even short term, giving yourself a break from that alcohol, what's going to do for you. You're going to sleep better. Your skin clears up. Uh, internally, you're going to start feeling better. More energy. So it's it's good to recharge the batteries there every now and then. So that's that's something I'm gonna look forward to in the January and hopefully be able to continue. Uh, I don't want to stop by any means. I won't completely be one of those that give it up. Uh, but you know, maybe continue at that throughout the year. I'm looking forward to 2021. Hopefully, getting back into a little normalcy with pro wrestling. Uh, I'd like to call matches for three new companies, companies if possible. And I think I want to get in there and work a match this year. Gonna take a couple bumps. I think you're absolutely insane there, but we—I'm sure that we know some people that could uh, probably uh, make that happen for you. I don't really do the New Year's resolution thing. I mean, it, it just—it seems stupid and pointless to me. You know, like if if I'm gonna do something, I just do it. I don't wait for like New Year's to do it. I just just do it. You know, whatever. Right, but it's just you know, it's—I think it's just that point. You know, it, it's a fresh start for people. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, New Year's has never made a whole lot of sense to me. Just never, meh. It's there. It's there. Let's throw it over to a word from our friends from Hameen Media, and then we're going to come back, Huckleberry. We're going to talk some college basketball. Yeah. Oh, that, that's going on. 
Ho, ho, happy Hameen holidays. As 2020 winds down with over 2.2 million downloads, the Hameen army marches into 2021 with sights set on 3 million downloads and beyond. We'd like to thank you, the listeners and sponsors, for following and supporting us on all of Hameen Media Group affiliate channels as we continue to provide the very best variety of entertainment anywhere. Pro wrestling, movie reviews, TV show reviews, news, sports, conspiracy, and satire. We have everything for your listening or viewing pleasure. Add Hami Media to all your favorite audio and video platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Twitch, and YouTube are just some of the many ways you can get your fill of all of the HMG content. And speaking of getting your fill, if you're cooking this holiday season, there's only one olive oil to use in all your delicious, delectable dishes, Zordos Artisan Greek Ultra Premium Olive Oil. This olive oil is not only the perfect ingredient for your festive feast, but Zordos Olive Oil makes the perfect gift for any foodie or fan of fantastic food. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com and taste what the term ultra premium means. Now, after a good meal or to kickstart your morning, what's better than a cup of bro, bro? The Coffee Brosters Russo's brand coffee is better than your average cup of joe, bro. When checking out at thecoffeebrosters.com, use the promo code BRO5LB for a special price on a five-pound bag of Russo's brand coffee. This deal is too good to pass up on, bro. Did somebody say deal? Well, Stevie Richards and ForceUSA.com have a deal for you. Are you looking to build a better you? How about the best custom home gym you can imagine? ForceUSA delivers sturdy, innovative and versatile strength training equipment for home gyms and training studios alike. Enter promo code Stevie5 for a special 0% financing offer at checkout. Also check out StevieRichardsFitness.com for a fantastic affordable resistance band training program and yoga program choose from the 12 and 16 week program as well as a dynamic yoga program that will get you ready to burn off those calories after those huge holiday meals if you're interested in a band new you for 2021 and years to come stevie kick start your health with stevie richards fitness.com prowrestlingtees.com celebrate all of the hami media personalities and independent pro wrestling stars by giving the gift of or grabbing up for yourself the coolest merch any wrestling fan desires again head over to prowrestlingtees.com and support indie wrestling today hey infidels do you want to become a Hami Media Group operative? Then follow us at Hami Media Group on Twitter and request a link to our private Discord channel. You can also find us on Facebook at Hami Media Discussion Group and interact with all of the HMG personalities as well as joining in on the fun discussions, watch-along events, and games. You can also follow us on Instagram to like, comment, and participate on all of the HMG and Conspiracy Horseman propaganda. Once again, thank you to all of the subscribers, followers, sponsors, guests, producers, and hosts of Hami Media as we march to 3 million downloads. All of this is possible because of you. <laughs> Props to Big Ray Hernandez and his Hami and Ha Ha Holidays. Yeah. That's, I, I, I like that plug. I like that one. Uh, quick plug for Destino. Going to be sitting down tomorrow for the Wrestle Kingdom preview show with Mr. Billy Ray Valentine and Cracker Track Brown. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Get those two guys together. Yeah. Think that there's going to be a lot of Ibushi. 
Uh, I think track. He's like the, he's the man of a million gimmicks now. Yeah, cracker track Brown. That's 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 my new gimmick for him. I, I was gonna say, what, what about, we got what Tony flags. Well, I told him if if he's if he is insistent on One calling of the Janetti, me, he's a Janetti. <laughs> if he's insistent on calling me and all of my friends the N word, then I'm just gonna start calling him Cracker Track Brown. And so that's what it is, Cracker Track Brown. Okay, you know Cracker Jacks though they're actually enjoyable and they come with a nice a nice prize. Yeah, well this is a Cracker Track, so yeah, it's gonna say none of that. None of that applies to him. No, none of that. I, I do think it is hilarious though when you know we know who he is. We 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 get the the gimmick or living the gimmick. I love that guy. Uh, but it, it is tremendous when he joins in on a conversation on your timeline and your other friends have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how Cracker Track Brown came about. You bet. Uh, he's dropping end bobs everywhere, and <laughs> people are just blown away by this thing. Yep. Yep. Let's talk some college basketball, Huckleberry. I, I because we haven't really talked any about college basketball, and of course, I'm a, a devout Duke fan. I know you're a devout Duke fan, and Duke is just not that good this year. And I thought, you know, maybe that's why. And, and then our friend Eric Lake, who we're, we're going to have on the show here in just a few minutes, he, he had hit me up complaining about Kentucky. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I'm like, Michigan State, 0-3 in the Big Ten. You know, like UNC, not even rated. And then I look at the top ten, Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, Villanova, Houston, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Texas, West Virginia, and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I'm just like... What the hell happened? Like, where, where's Kentucky and and Louisville and Michigan State and like, where's all the powerhouses at? And it's like everybody is having a down year at the same time. But if there was ever a good time for that to happen, it's this year because nobody's watching college basketball. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's just with everything going on, and it's it, it growing year to year. Obviously, you know, I, I have this special interest where I'm going to, you know, follow Duke. Always making sure I know what they've got going on there. Uh, but more and more each and every year, as you see the turnover with these players, it, it's hard to get into the game until at least mid-February. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so many of these teams like Michigan State. Oh, and three in the Big Ten, right? Michigan State's still going to make the tournament. Michigan State's going to be a four or a five seed in the tournament. Are you betting against Michigan State? You betting against Tom Izzo when it comes to the tournament? Hell no, you're not. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And that's a real problem for college basketball, especially as they're looking at getting rid of the one and done and just moving everything to the G League. Now is not the time for, for college basketball to be looking for a downtrend in business. Well, I know Southern Ohio, you know, a bit of a buzz in college basketball is is some of the fans here excited. Xavier, uh, eight and one start, but still, I mean, not not the quality of wins that have them in, in national conversations. Right. I don't even believe they're ranked in the AP, and in the coaches, they're like twenty. So, I mean, a, a little bit of a buzz here for that, but yeah, as you said, you're not really hearing a whole lot of talk about what what's happening, and I. 
and this really speaks to that that bigger picture that people always that misconception of the Cinderella teams that people love when, when the Cinderellas are making those runs through the tournament. Fake news. Well, yes, fake news. It's it's a great for a headline, but when it's time to pay the bills and the ratings are coming in, they always fall short. And I, as you're talking about these big names that we're accustomed to seeing at the top of the list here, at the top of the rankings, when they're not there, there truly isn't that buzz. You're not nope. having people tuning in. Nope. Because nobody cares about that second year senior that you got. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the way that, you know, juniors and seniors, especially at this point, are viewed in college basketball is if you were worth a shit, you would have been gone three years ago. You know, it's just college basketball. It's just falling down so far for me, so far. And, you know, I, I want to save a little bit of the conversation for when we have Eric come on here just in a moment. Uh, but to talk about the evolution of the game, you know, with with the G League becoming more involved and we're going to be seeing players opting to go that route. You're getting that payday, learning the NBA style. What is that going to do for college basketball? What does it mean for the future of the sport? I can't believe Iowa's in the top 10. I can't believe they were number three. They made it all the way up to number three before they faced off with number one Gonzaga, who beat them. And then they ran into Wisconsin, which no surprise there. But Rick, I mean, some of these teams, Gonzaga number one. I mean, Gonzaga is just an itty bitty little school. You know, I, granted, their tradition has absolutely turned around these last 20 years, but they're, they're more about a program. They're not really a one-and-done kind of environment. And then you got, you know, Baylor, Kansas, Nova, Houston. But I think it's you know, fitting with, with Gonzaga. I mean, aren't they really the king of the Cinderella? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, and now Houston up there, too. Well, I mean, the ones that really made that move that we, yep. you know, you look forward to each and every year, and then they became somewhat of a, a powerhouse where they were regularly, you know, made appearances there in the top 10 and, and were in conversations for the best team in the country. And I mean, even the, you know, like some of these conferences, the sexy schools aren't in there. Like, you know, if you could replace Wisconsin with Michigan state, you know, suddenly, you know, the top 10 looks a whole lot better. You know, some of these big 12 teams, Kansas at least is up there, but Baylor, if you could, you know, take them out and put in, you know, like an Oklahoma state, that absolutely helps. West Virginia, I mean, yeah. Well, Huckleberry, those are the top 10. The top 10 best teams in the country right now, but there's a couple of teams that I, I'm looking as I look through the top 25. Aren't they supposed to be higher? Like, number 17, Michigan State, 0-3 in the Big Ten. Number 20, Duke, what the hell happened to our Blue Devils, man? You got 25, Ohio State. Y'all can't be happy about that. UNC, fucking Carolina is not even rated. They're five and three. And then that brings us to our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. We, 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 this team is so bad that we had to go get an expert to get a boots on the ground report. The Kentucky Wildcats, one and six. One and six for Kentucky. Rick, I... As a Duke fan, there are there's not many things in this world that I enjoy more than the tears of the Kentucky Wildcats. But this is even out of control for Kentucky, don't you think? I was going to say, 
it was one of those big questions that you, you want to throw out there for any Kentucky fan. Which which things more? You know, going back, is it is it the shot? Is it what Duke did? What Leitner pulled off there that that it, what defines college basketball? Or is it now sitting here in this just miserable year that we're having and, and realizing that the Kentucky Wildcats are having their worst season in almost 100 years? And I'm not even enjoying it. Like I, 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 the whole college basketball thing, it, it's just so hit and miss for me right now that I'm not even enjoying it. But you know what I am enjoying? I am enjoying our friend Eric and the text messages that he sends me from Kentucky crying about how awful the Kentucky Wildcats are. And it, it's so funny. I thought let's bring him on the show. So Mr. Eric Lake, a man who is no stranger to podcasts and media, the, the owner and operator of Transfarm. Eric, welcome to the show, and we're sorry for your loss. Losses. Hey, good afternoon, boys. How are we doing? Well, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're just here relishing in wildcat tears. Well, you know, we talk about a, a, a Kentucky hopeful, uh, a mega fan. Eric goes beyond that. Uh, he, pun intended, he, he bleeds that blue through and through, born and raised in the Bluegrass State, uh, found quite a bit of success himself there. And uh, Eric, I believe it was, it was, was it long distance running? Yes, I was state champion uh, my sophomore year in high school in cross country, as a matter there, of fact. There you go, cross country, representing the, the state of Kentucky and his loyalty and his love always falls there with the Wildcats. But Jargo, as you mentioned, as, as we look at the rankings here and some of the teams that have fallen off, we're, we're kind of wondering where they're at. Way, way deep down on that list, now, I believe like in the uh, the 80s, 90s, somewhere along those lines, you do have the Kentucky Wildcats, the, the one of the most proud programs in the history of college basketball. So, Eric, what the hell happened, man? What's going on down there in the Bluegrass State? Well, I think we have a couple things working here. In the 12 seasons – that John Calipari has been the coach of the Kentucky Wildcats. He has amassed a 331-83 and 83 record, meaning he's won 75% of his games. In each of his 12 seasons, he's had the number one or number two recruiting class in all of college basketball. Hey, they're all bought and paid for. They may all be bought and paid for. And this season... My beloved University of Kentucky Wildcats have eight freshmen, four sophomores, two seniors, and a graduate student on their 15-man roster. Now, this isn't anything new for Kentucky, but one thing that is different is that we don't have that standout star. Let's go back all the way to John Calipari's first season in 2010. John Wall. Uh, let's go to some of his other seasons where in 2011 and 12, you had Terrence Jones, uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. In their championship year, which was in 2015, I mean, just listen to these names. You had Anthony Davis, 
who is quite world arguably, champion Anthony Davis. World champion Anthony Davis, who is quite arguably the second best NBA player out there right now. But what you're seeing right now with this season is let's not talk about COVID. Let's not talk about playing in a bubble. Let's not talk about that the fact that John Calipari handpicked this schedule where they weren't playing these easy teams to try to get a couple of wins under their belt. They got blown out by the Richmond Spiders. And then after that have had losses to Kansas, North Carolina, Louisville, and a couple more. John Calipari's teams in the past, especially the past few years, have taken time to develop. Rick always says this, nothing matters until March. And we all get that. But right now, there is no true leader on this Kentucky basketball team. Now, why is well, that? I was going to say, Eric, if I could jump out this possibly where you're going with this, why did we see that fall off? Why didn't they, you know, why isn't there that at least one or two five-star, you know, five-tool athlete, that, that absolute standout that can elevate this team? Where where was the misconnection from those great teams of the past in that recruiting style that you come to expect from Calipari? I think the miss, I think the miss its connection really falls with this team just not blending as a unit. They're out there playing for themselves. I am a, I am a firm believer that especially in recent years, when these kids sign to Kentucky, they're not signing to play at the University of Kentucky, wear that jersey, and play for the great tradition that, that this university has stood for for many, many years. What these kids, and a lot of these, a lot of these kids are AAU players, all they're seeing is dollar signs. And with these multi-million dollar contracts that are just being handed out like fucking candy. Rudy Gobert. It's kids playing for themselves. Well, and they're, I, I guess at the core of it, Eric, I mean, everybody's dealing with this, though. I mean, like this is something that has really come up ever since the whole one and done thing really became an issue. And it's going to go away. It's going to go away because a lot of those players, like that entire Kentucky squad, in the span of the next couple of years, probably never would have went to Kentucky. They'll just go directly to the G League. That's what the NBA is really trying to set up. I mean, yeah. is the heyday done for all these teams? Because and I'm seeing Michigan State's having that problem. Duke is having that problem. Carolina's having that problem. Kentucky's having that problem. Tennessee's having that issue a little bit now. Like, I, I, I feel like this is just kind of the climate that we live in in the middle of a one and done. I I think you're kind of on onto something here. And John Calipari has always been a player's first coach, meaning that when this player s signs to Kentucky, 
and like many other college coaches like him, he takes them under his wing and in essence, he becomes their father. And, and like any good father, he wants what's best for his kids. And what's best for a lot of these kids is moving on to that next level where they can be financial, financially secure for basically the rest of their lives. However, when you see that happen, it loses a lot of the luster that these programs are losing because kids aren't going to these universities to represent that university. What they're going to the university for is for the name only so it'll be easier for them to make that next step. And that's a problem. Yeah, Jarko, I see what I actually like about, you know, the NBA pushing more towards involvement in the in the development league is eventually I think that's going to help college basketball as we're going to kind of weed out these one and done simply needing that as a necessity stepping stone. Go to a big name, as Eric's pointing out there. Yeah, I mean, you go to Duke, you go to Kentucky, you go to Michigan State, you know you're going to be on television. You're going to get national exposure. That's going to help you move on next level. What I like about just saying, hey, let's skip this step. You can come right in, start beginning to learn the lifestyle of the NBA, how you're going to deal with that. You're going to immediately make that money, then make that next step. In college basketball, you're going to see a refocus again on a on a true student athlete. You know, now the caliber of play might not be the same. It might not be as explosive as exciting, but I, I don't think people are going to notice that. Uh, I think what you're going to see is more of a traditional style where you can invest, uh, you know, a, a, a big freshman comes in to have a hot year, freshman, sophomore year. You know, you got two more years with that player. You're, as a fan, you're going to invest in them. I think that's going to help reestablish and grow the game. Well, I mean, just to compare it a little bit to the NBA, now we're seeing, you know, of course, all the stars are coming together and they're putting together these super teams, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically what's been going on in college basketball ever since they put together the one and done because these kids, they have to go to college for one year. So they all go play together at a place like Kentucky. And then, so you have that upper echelon and then you have like these uh, this next step of teams. You have teams like Gonzaga, the number one team in the country right now. I'm not seeing a whole lot of one-and-dones going through Gonzaga. They're going through the entire program. So, I I mean, this is really more so like just those elite schools coming back down to earth a little bit. Dan, I really think this was bound to happen. It was just a matter of time before Calipari got a group of freshmen – who just don't play well together. I mean, you can't magically recruit six to eight new freshmen every year and expect them all to A, get along, B, play together, and C, play together good enough to where you are going to get noticed so that you can make it to the next level. Rick, it's pro wrestling. Everybody's got to get their shit in. Well, yeah. I, you know, now, Erica, you know, you, 
you bring up a good point there. I mean, eventually you're going to run into situations like that, but isn't this something they should have been prepared for? I mean, Calipari should have been, I mean, you recognize who can play well together in your AU. It's not like he should be bringing in total strangers. These kids should know each other from playing on the AU circuit and getting around in the summer leagues. Is this really an excuse for him? It's, it's not an excuse for Calipari, but I think a lot of this, is, and I think this is a trend that you're really going to start to see probably in the next two to three years, is that when Calipari took over this team in 2009-2010, the world and our society was a completely different place. Um, Social media wasn't as big back then as of what it is now. The level of selfishness wasn't as big as what it is now. These players aren't playing together. They're playing solely for themselves. And when you do that, there's going to be one, two, three seasons where, which is what we're seeing right now with Kentucky, they're just not playing together. And quite frankly, I don't see one freshman on this team right now that will make it to the NBA after this season. Wow, that's a a bold prediction. Uh, Eric, now, when we think about the one and done right into the sun, the standout there, the maybe the godfather, the modern day, you know, leader in that is is Kentucky. Uh, for Calipari, what is his shelf life? If he if is he going to be able to adapt? If we do see more of a traditional, where you got to go out there and get the best, you know, unit that you can that's going to unite, play together, it's going to stick it out. Will his style work? I mean, because we've seen him adapt a few times. He was one of the first ones who said, "You know what? I understand this is the way it's going to be. I'm not going to fight the system. I'm going to embrace this. Come here one year. I'm going to do my best to make sure you're getting a major payday." Yeah, and. And I think that's a question that can only be answered in time. Um, right now, there are basically two schools of thought down in Lexington. One, you've got fans who absolutely love Calipari. They love this team, and they're going to support them win or lose. You've got that the other side who are already calling for Calipari's job. Um, he doesn't care about national championships. He doesn't care about the tradition of that great program. And it's basically just a revolving door for fresh new talent to come in every year, play a year, and then move on to the NBA. So with that being said, you've got Calipari kind of in a – rough spot here. He himself has said he hates losing. And I firmly believe that. And it has to do a terrible, it it, it has to be terrible for these players psyche in that you come in to one of the greatest programs, if not the greatest program in college basketball, you're used to winning all the time. That's all you've ever done ever since you were in fifth, sixth grade is when, and now you're not. 
So how do these kids adapt to all of a sudden being on one of the biggest stages in college basketball and not winning? This is going to be a major test as in terms of Calipari, and it's going to be a major test for Kentucky fans. And it's going to be interesting to really see how this season unfolds. And I don't think that the season is over, but they have dug themselves a hell of a hole to where if they don't win at the SEC tournament, I don't see them making I don't see him making the tournament. Okay, well, let's say this happens, okay? Michigan State right now, they're still the number 17 team in the country, 0-3. Duke is at 20. Ohio State at 25. UNC is just on the outside of the top 25 looking in at 5-3. Kentucky's 1-6. Let's say Kentucky just goes on a tear through the SEC, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say that they even get in as a lower seed into the tournament. You betting against Kentucky when it comes to the one-and-done NCAA tournament? Are you going to bet against Michigan State if they're an eight or nine seed? Fuck no, you're not going to. I mean, tournament experience, absolute. I mean, like, Kentucky can turn this thing around. What tournament experience does this team have? Well, and, and this, in, at the end of the day, is really where it comes down to where the coaches actually make their money. But I mean, I, who's, who's to say that you can't see Kentucky going in as an eight or nine seed? But you know, they're still they still end up in the sweet fucking sixteen because they're fucking Kentucky. Like, how much of this is just like overreaction? Because oh my god, they're one and six. And I think a lot of this really goes back to John Calipari actually saying, "I wish I could hit myself in the mouth right now for the schedule to that I made for this team." Yeah, it was stupid. Um, right when you're playing Kansas, North Carolina, and Louisville, right out of the gate. Yeah, you're, you're basically stacking the deck against you. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I haven't counted them out yet, but, boy, I tell you what, these boys have got a long way to go. Well, you, you look too at the schedule here, that one and six, obviously it, it could be – slight more towards that 500 market could be much worse as they have lost what three or four games uh, due to cancellation or postponement with the COVID issues. It's been two games. Yeah. Uh, so, but as you're talking about, you know, and you, and Eric, you're mentioning how Calipari just, you know, kind of regrets stacking this schedule early. Maybe that is something that if we're talking about experience as you get ready and hopefully can make a run towards March madness, if you're Kentucky, and maybe this is something that, that makes them tournament tough, that they were tested and they had to overcome this thing. I agree with Jargo. I mean, if they could find a way to turn this around, it comes down to coaching. And that's why in the college game, that position is so important because you have to pull together around the postseason. Nothing matters till March. You are right. And that's where the coaches shine. Yeah. And, and, and as in terms of Calipari, I believe he said yesterday to, uh, to during his press conference that he wants his players to solely focus on the here and now. Don't worry about what happened last week. Don't worry about what happens next week. You guys have, have to worry about what's going on right now and how we can play better as a team. And if there is one coach in college basketball – 
who can pull this team together. Yes, it is him. But at the end of the day, and from what I've seen in just the body language, how these kids are acting, one player has already been sent home and that the chemistry is just not quite there yet. Whether whether this team can turn around, I honestly don't know. But this is by far one of the worst, worst assembled Kentucky teams that I've ever seen probably in my lifetime. You know, I feel like this is one of those clips that they're going to pull from our show and using a video package come March when Kentucky is like just on a tear through the tournament. Nobody ever believed in us. We were one and six and everybody's out there just burying us. And this is going to be our fuck you to all those fans, man. I can absolutely see that happening. Everybody's burying Kentucky. All you're doing, just putting a chip on their shoulder. I mean, I can see the narrative being written now. I can see the video package come tournament time. Nobody believed in us. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I see what's I see what's going on here. It's all a goddamn Kentucky conspiracy. Well, yeah, you ultimately know what this comes down to. With the worst start, Eric mentioned, the worst assembled team. And statistically, this is the the worst in 94 years. And that was just a few years prior to to the man that defined Kentucky basketball taking over when he had Adolph Rupp take over. And you know what this is? It's it's the uh, the Rupp curse. They wanted to change, take his name off of that arena. And he was and, like, uh, uh-uh. Yes, and uh, he has cursed them. He has damned them that they will suffer in the 2020-21 season. And I'm glad you brought that up because if I would have, it wouldn't have been probably as pretty. <laughs> I really but, hope Christian Leitner buys that arena. If Christian Leitner buys Rupp Arena, Michael, I will leave this country <laughs> <laughs> faster than I probably already plan on doing right now. But well, what if we have one of these mega churches buy it and just call it the Christian Center? The Christian Center? Yes. Make it like the CC? <laughs> the state I don't think people don't realize how much the state of Kentucky still hates Christian Leitner. It is you, absolutely you hilarious have, to me. You have no idea. It's uh, I, I am a firm believer that that each time that CBS Sports has to do their little prelude into college basketball and the shot by Leitner is always shown, I truly feel to that CBS did that on purpose just to piss Kentucky fans off. It's a Kentucky conspiracy, ladies and gentlemen. Eric, tell people how to find you and how to follow Transform, what Transform's all about, and we'll let you get out of here. Well... As in terms of Transform, it is a news media website dedicated to the dance music genre of trance. Um, I try to provide up-to-the-minute news, uh, record releases, interviews, and uh, guest mixes from uh, some of today's top and upcoming trance producers and DJs. Um, 
you can reach it at trainsfarm.com or trainsfarm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rick, in honor of Eric, we haven't done this in a while. It's time for a seven-second dance party. All right, Huckleberry, back from the seven-second dance party as we look at wrapping up the final episode of HTM this year. Shout out to R-Truth. Got to talk to you about the college football playoff. That's going down this weekend, too. Are, are we still banned? Is he, are we still blocked? Oh, yeah. Yep, still blocked. 24-7. 24-7 blocked. He ain't, he ain't losing that title to nobody. He's like a 55-time champion at this point. It's ridiculous. Friday, Notre Dame versus Alabama in the Rose Bowl, not at the Rose Bowl. 10-1 Notre Dame versus 11-0 Alabama. Rick, is this going to be a football game, or is this going to be Alabama just taking Notre Dame out behind the woodshed? Well, I tell you, going into this thing, and I think there's probably so many out there that just feel this this is absolutely Bama's game to control. That This could be absolutely embarrassing for Notre Dame. Heading into this game, the semifinal, the approach from the two teams and the two coaches was very intriguing to me. And they talked about this on, on the selection Sunday where you had Bama really saying, you know, we're, we're going to let our kids still go home for the holidays. Just can't, you know, didn't have the heart to say you're going on lockdown for Christmas. We're going to keep everything rolling along as, as we have all year. Where Notre Dame took a complete other stance on this thing. And said, right now, we are just going strictly into Rose Bowl mode. We are focused on, you know, bouncing back after the embarrassment that they suffered in the ACC championship game at the hands of Clemson. And we're going to see which side, which which really pays off. I think as people are looking at as well, another factor we are going to have to look, and everyone has to deal with this. So I I don't give it as, as an excuse. We do have in a sense that equal playing field is everyone has to deal with the COVID issues, but there is no uniform regulations and testing policies for these four teams. They still have to abide by what was being implemented and how they were handling this during their regular season from their conferences. Interesting. And as we know, the SEC seems to be much more relaxed in their testing as opposed to even the ACC and especially the big 10. Ohio State versus Clemson in the Sugar Bowl to determine who's going to go on to play Alabama because I think Alabama is just going to beat the ever-loving shit out of Notre Dame. I just do. Notre Dame, I think, kind of showed who they really were against Clemson. Ohio State and Clemson, Rick, what do you think, man? I mean, there's a lot of people who don't even want Ohio State in the conversation. As far as I'm concerned, they absolutely belong there. Notre Dame, on the other hand, we could talk about. But this is the game I'm most looking forward to out of all the possibilities, I think, because we actually get to see Ohio State versus a real football team. Uh, absolutely. And I helped the Ohio State here. Yeah, remember, in that Big Ten championship game, 22 players out. Uh, still came out there. Got, it was, took a little bit to get rolling there, but they came out and just dominated on the ground. But you got a bigger story here. As you talked about, Jargo, the, the the opposition. Should Ohio State be here? Six wins 
did that qualify them to have an opportunity to play against the best teams in the country for a championship? I'm with you. I think you have to take all the circumstances into account here. And you, if you're that committee, it was your responsibility to put the four best teams in the country out there. I think they got three of those right. And Ohio State is certainly is one of those. If you're Ohio State, you're playing with a bit of chip on your shoulder here. You want to silence all those individuals, and especially you don't want to come out here and have a repeat of last year, which you're also using as a little bit of ammunition as you prepare for this game is the rematch where Ohio State, you know, remember, was a heavily favored. You might have heard about that on a couple shows from an individual that was (laughs) beating their chest all over the place and and how, you know, that didn't work out. So it, it, it'll be really interesting. I'm, I'm very intrigued by that game. Uh, number five, Texas A&M. What do you think? Would you have put A&M in instead of Notre Dame? Are you really going into Selection Sunday and throughout the course of that day where I, I was just consumed by all the information, uh, the programming that was going on, I really felt that, that A&M should have got that nod. They had that opportunity. And not so much just because my personal feelings towards Notre Dame. Uh, I just think you know when you when you what how they were exposed inside of the ACC championship game played their way out. You want to make a case for Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina? Uh, I think what you've seen here, especially in Cincinnati, there were a lot of hurt feelings. And I was one of those that tried to be a realist and explain to them, this was a tremendous year for Cincinnati. This is a great success story. But if they truly want to be in consideration down the line and be in those talks for to ever have a chance at this, this was just step one for them. And you really have to look at the blueprint and what Central Florida went through and never really got over that hump where they were given that nod. And I think when after what we've seen from the selection show, that final ranking – that they move Cincinnati all the way down to eight. Even if these playoffs were an 18-18 bracket, they would have found a way to move Cincinnati out of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing with Coastal Carolina. And with Coastal Carolina, a you know what, uh, an incredible year. Don't take each, don't take anything away from those athletes, those schools, what what they were able to accomplish. You, you just have different levels of play. And, you know, another one, back to Cincinnati here, you're not a sexy pick coming out of the American Athletic Conference. And that's really what it's going to come down to. And you hear regularly around here, and for teams like that, well, they should go to this conference. Well, it takes two to tango. And I've yet to hear a sound argument why one of those, the power fives, would be open to Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, you can even look at, you know, reasons why, you know, why was Maryland so attractive to the Big Ten? DC. Well, because recruiting yep. and, and growing your audience and growing your location. You know, if you're the Cincinnati, you don't The in the Big Ten is for TV ratings because it, it locks in the New York market. Absolutely. And, and people, they get stuck inside that bubble and they're not looking at those bigger pictures. Cincinnati doesn't offer any of that. No. Off the off top of your head, like what what is the the Cincinnati market? I mean, it's in the high fifties, correct? Yeah, I think so. I'll look it up quick. And it's and it's not like you 
you're trying to reach and we are a hotbed for for high school football tremendous talents coming out of this out of the tri-state area here but you already have that recruiting reach 37 oh okay a little bit better than i thought but uh, still nothing that's gonna you know push you over the top well and especially when the logical fit would be the big 10 and the big 10 already has ohio covered absolutely well, if you're looking in, all right, we need to get in there for recruiting or grow there. You've already got that. Ohio State gets any player they want from here. And, and, you, and a conference like the ACC is smart enough to know, even if we bring Cincinnati in, Ohio still belongs to the Big Ten. Well, and I was just going to bring that up. If you Even if, let's say, you are a Big 12 or an ACC and you're saying, well, can we get in that market? You're still going to get, you know, the third and fourth player because now if you're looking at this tri-state, the Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, little corners that touch there, those players are still going to Ohio State. They're still going to Notre Dame. We're still close enough to the SEC where they're going to pick off those players. Michigan always does very well in Ohio. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's is it really worth – is the risk worth the reward – to set up shop in in a market like that. What absolutely devastated a program like Cincinnati is when they were released from the uh, uh, the Big East. Hmm. And it absolutely devastated them. I mean, they were up there playing in, you know, they they had automatic bids to the big bowl games. They right. went and they went and played in those. They never performed very well because they would run into those bigger programs. Uh, even, you know, Ava Tech handled them which was a middle-of-the-pack ACC right. school. Uh, they ran into Florida a couple times. It was embarrassing. You know, they just weren't to that level. It's not to take away from anything. You, you need those mid-majors. You, you need that structure. But shift just a, a little bit of NBA talk that's not really NBA talk. NBA ratings down 21% for Christmas. 21%, Rick. What do you make of that? I mean, part of that is the NFL. Because the NFL did run a game on on Christmas Day, but still twenty one percent. Now is that because we got more content? I don't there was know more games, right? So I mean, if if you're maybe potentially oversaturating, I mean, as we're talking percentages. Yeah, I'm sure it did drop because then we only have two games last year. Now we're at four. Was there four or five? I mean, it, it seemed like it was all day. Absolutely. And we didn't have that last year. And again, you know, there is too, it with the, the, the different landscape, the hype, the different start times at this point, you know, last year we were kicking off basketball this time of year. Right. We were kind of getting you and I regularly joke. This is where people, okay, we had figured out what the teams were about. We're invested. This is where we really start paying attention. Do you have to adjust that curve? How much of it is the political aspect? Because, I mean, of all the leagues, I, I feel like the NBA has been hurt the most by the political aspect. Well, they're the most outspoken. They're the most visible, identifiable. And, and let's be honest, you know, a lot of their leaders, when you're looking at, you know, a group like Black Lives Matter, they look like the NBA players. So, I mean, we can look if there is that sort of resentment. But in all honesty... We've had this conversation before. Were those people that seem disgusted or turned off by how outward spoken politically the NBA players are, were they ever really that much that invested? 
I mean, wasn't the NBA just, it was a reconfirming to their fans that they supported them? I don't know, man. 21%. That's just so damn drastic. That's the thing. I mean, almost a quarter of your audience year over year? That might have to do with putting too much product out there. I mean, how many people were really tuning in at, you know, noon Eastern for the Pelicans? Zion. You know, you logic there. Zion. I know. But you, you take a bath. Yeah. You take a bath on one of those games that could easily yep. account for that 25%. Yep, absolutely. Uh, NFL playoff update as we wrap up the show. AFC, pretty well set at this Ooh. point until hey, you get ready. down to the bottom. I don't know. Ready for a wild week 17. Well, I mean, 16 was insane. So here's how the AFC shakes out right now. Chiefs 14 and 1, Bills 12 and 3, Steelers 12 and 3, Titans 10 and 5, Dolphins 10 and 5, Ravens 10 and 5, Browns 10 and 5, and the Colts 10 and 5 currently on the outside looking in. Those are all the teams that are still qualified. But Rick, I, I, this is insane because I mean, number 1, we've had the, the entire Steelers debacle. But they actually pull it together this week. They get the win, move to 12-3. and three. That clinches them the division. And then Cleveland goes out, lays a complete freaking egg. We were talking last week on the show about how the, the road to the AFC North might go through Cleveland. They might not even be in the fucking playoffs next week. It, it is crazy. It, this is every week. It's as if, you know, we're looking at that hot team who's going to be dangerous and they just seemingly go out there and crap the bed, uh, the game of hot potato with the hot hand in professional football right now. Uh, but, it, you know, again, for, I, you know, so many Cleveland fans are, they were devastated by the loss. Their entire wide receiver core, four of them, they, they were playing practice squad players. Is that really an excuse against what what's at stake here? Against a team like the New York Jets. I mean, you, you got to go out there and find a way to win those football games. And as we're looking at this bigger picture, you know, we go back a couple of weeks where the Browns fans were so proud of how, how hard their team fought and how entertaining of a game it was against the Ravens. That could very well come back to bite you ass if you lost a tiebreaker. Yep. Those, that's why every game is so important. You're not taking little victories because that absolutely could come back to bite you in the ass. I guess good news, though, for the seven-seed Browns, you know, win and they're in, and Pittsburgh's not bringing Big Ben to the game. Uh, Rudolph is going to get the start, but I still, you know, you look at someone that certainly would love to go in there, as we were talking about, with a major upset. Mason Rudolph would love to go in there, especially with his history with Cleveland, and be the one that's responsible for shocking the world and knocking them again away from the postseason. Yep. I mean, it's just that AFC picture is crazy. Ravens, are they the hot team right now? Do, do you want to play the six-seed Ravens? I think, and we had talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think it was you that actually mentioned it, Jargo, a team on that outside that those that have their tickets to the dance that don't want to see get the invitation, that don't want to see walking through that door would be the Ravens. Yep. And, and now here they are. They have played their way into this thing themselves. When you're in, get it done. 
and they're going to be right down the road here in Cincinnati against a, a, a team that seems to be believing themselves in the Bengals that you got to believe is going to come out there hungry and would love nothing more to potentially ruin the season for the Baltimore Ravens. Does any of this matter? The Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Like, by light years, it feels like. You got to get yourself in that position, though. You know, you got to give yourself a chance to catch them on a down week. Yeah, I agree with you. If we're just looking at it on paper and what we've seen throughout the year, I think this is the Chiefs Super Bowl. It runs through Kansas City. But you, you've got to give yourself that opportunity, right? And I think that's what is so intriguing about this is each week we look at these teams that could capture greatness. You're looking at the Colts now that are in the eight seed. They're sitting on the outside looking in. You know, they could have – if they could have finished off the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, you saw one of the best second halves of football from any team from the Steelers last week to come back against the Colts. Yeah. I mean, the Colts could be sitting there at the four spot at hosting. And now they're on the outside. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I, you know, I kept watching that game just waiting for, oh, why does his name just escape me? Rivers. Philip Rivers to turn into Philip Rivers in, in January, you know, December, January football. And that's what he did. Yep. Every time. Every time. NFC Packers twelve and three, Saints eleven and four, Seahawks eleven and four, Washington professional football team still that four seed at six and nine, the Tampa Tampa Bay at ten and five, Rams at nine and six, Bears eight and seven, Cardinals eight and seven, Cowboys six and nine still in this thing because of the NFC East. My God, I. <laughs> Where do you begin? I guess we'll start with the NFC East. Washington's got Philly. Dallas has got the Giants. Who wins the NFC East and hosts a football, a fucking playoff game? I tell you, it's it's really hard to root against Alex Smith here. Just the incredible story. Looks like he'll be back to to help. They've had a they've had a great run with him under center. Is what's happened this week with Haskins, is that just too big of a story outside of the football field for that team to actually be focused on Dallas? I don't know. I, I really think that they, they, they come in regrouped here. Uh, I think it, it would be incredible, I know, just for, you know, shits and giggles to see Andy Dalton have an opportunity to go get his first playoff win under these circumstances uh, in Dallas. Uh, and the way that would line up right now, you know who that would be against? It would be your boy Tom having to go in there to the big D. Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay still at 10-5. and five. Um, And they're about as bipolar of a football team as you you really can get. The Rams, they, I guess you could also apply that to them at 9-6. and six. And then you got the Bears at 8-7. and seven. They're currently the 7 seed. And my Chicago Bear fans, friends, are pissed. Because they want out from this general manager. They want out from fucking Nagy. They want out from fucking Mitchell Trubisky. They are ready to move the fuck on. They are ready to trade Khalil Mack and like the number 13 pick to, you know, somebody like, you know, the the San Diego Chargers so they can move up in the fucking draft and get themselves a quarterback. Like the Bears are done. Like they don't give a fuck. 
They want out of the playoffs. They are praying that the Cardinals like come out and, and you know the Packers whip the Bears' ass and the Cardinals come out and win because the Bears don't even want to make the fucking playoffs. I say they just they're doing just enough to keep that regime still in place. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's hilarious. I've never seen a fucking fan base be upset that their team might make the playoffs. Like, and, and I think. Well, we're talking about upset fans. I mean, is it Bears fans or how upset are the Jets fans right now? Yeah, right. You know, that win over over Cleveland this past week that that clinched the the number one overall draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I mean, they've got to be real. And you look if you're in the, looking if you're in the market for a franchise quarterback, it's a major drop off from from Lawrence to Fields. Uh, looking at this NFC, this is as we put over the Chiefs Darnold. there. I'd rather have Darnold than Fields. Yeah. Just get him and a I coach. At that point, you, you've got to re reevaluate your entire draft strategy and hopefully maybe use that number two to get down and stockpile a bunch of picks. And that's that's kind of the, the feeling I'm getting from some Jet fans that I've reached out to. At this point, they don't feel comfortable that high in the draft. You know, Bail out on it and, and see if you can stockpile because there's a lot of fixes that need to be addressed on that team before they're before quarterback's going to fix anything uh as we put over the chiefs i think this thing still runs through green bay that your boys looked fantastic rogers for mvp look fantastic uh, i'd say he's got to get the nod there uh but i also be rogers not, or mahomes i wouldn't be sleeping on in the nfc i would not be sleeping on the seahawks yeah, russell wilson is just something else man there, there's something about that guy and the Cardinals, if the Cardinals get in at the seven, Kyler Murray, I don't know, man. I, I kind of like that kid. Kind of like that kid. I think it'd be interesting to see what he could do in that first game down there on the turf in New Orleans. Yeah. If the Saints are able to hold on to that number two. Kyler Murray on the turf, that could be a lot of fun. So that's going to wrap things up for this year's shows. That's the last one, Huckleberry. We'll, we'll talk to him again in 2021. How about that shit? Our last show of 2020. What a crazy fucking year, right? From the show going away to the show coming back and completely changing formats and how very, very 2020 of the show. I guess you can keep up with the show at HTM underscore pod. Of course, hitting the marks.com for the entire HTM podcast network. Keep up with me across social media at not Jargo RBB. Anything you want to plug, promote, put over before, uh, I guess we, uh, I can smell my fucking tacos. It's got me so goddamn. Yeah, we, we got we got some homemade chili oh, in, in the crock pot. Man. We're celebrating my stepdad's birthday, uh, so the aroma here throughout the house is incredible. I'm getting ready to to go up and grab myself a bowl of that and and get ready for some birthday cake and, and all those festivities. But yeah, keep up with me, Richard Bronson Victory, across all social media at the Real RBV. And hey, just a, some plugs for the platform, the Hami Media Group. We got the our end of the year, the Hammies. The voting still continues on. You can go find that at uh, the Hami Media Group social media. You can find the links there. Are hitting the Marks podcast zone. Michael Jargo up for affiliate personality of the year. Go ahead and cast your vote there for for Jargo and you know all the others. We recognize the, the programming, the production, and the personalities. Everybody, all the crazy characters, the the, the crew from the Hami Media Group. Voting is going to end Thursday at noon. And then we're going to be coming at you New Year's Day live on Twitch, uh, lining up all the guests that we're going to have. We're going to announce those winners for you. New Year's Day live on Twitch. 
going to be over on the Conspiracy Horseman channel. I will be available if I win. Otherwise, fuck you all. How about that? Yeah. Go vote for me. All right. We'll talk to you in 2021. We're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. Violence!